What is up, guys, and welcome to the Meeple Minded Podcast, the podcast where we talk all things tabletop gaming. My name is Jason. And I'm James. And today, my seafaring chums, we will be calling for booty and calling your dead man's bluff as we talk about bluffaneer. Are you excited, James? Yes. Yes, I am, Jason. Yes. <laughs> you weren't quite expecting an open like that, were you? No, I wasn't. I, I was didn't like, think oh, you would be. Taking a sip of coffee. <laughs> You've just ruined the next question, James. I was going to say, have you got your beverage of choice ready for this discussion today? Oh, see, it's a, we're on that much of a wavelength, mate. I knew what you were going to say before you said it. Oh, this isn't good. I don't like people being on my wavelength. I like to, you know, stir the pot and poke the bear, so to speak. So, <laughs> Although, let's be honest, I'm the one that looks like a bear. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, Well, in, in the spirit of th- uh, thematics, Jason, surely you should be taming the kraken. This is very true. Oh, I missed that one, didn't I? Yeah. What an idiot. We'll tame the Kraken instead. <laughs> anyway, before we get to that, I would like to tie up a little bow from last week's episode. Obviously, last week, yourself and I were talking about when is the right time to start selling games and you know when you should stop buying games for your collection. Now, obviously, we did an extremely professional excellent job at deciding that there is no such thing and that you should just continue keep buying games um however there was one bow that was left untied and that was with one of the locals uh, comments on the situation of how he would start looking to sell games or replace games after about 12 months of not being played and we agreed that that was a fairly good time frame however my question was how big is the collection and would that time increase if the collection was larger? And he listened, James. He listened and has got back to us. We have listeners. We do. Would you believe it? Would you believe it? So, yes, Mr. Mr. James, we have a response from another Mr. James. Um, and the response to that question was, for his 12-month cycle, I currently own 48 games. And if I had double the space... And double the games, I'd probably double the length of time. So would we say that's a fair thing? Yeah, I would yeah. say so. Okay, so... I, I'm still getting over this revelation that people are actually listening to these mad ramblings. I should be more professional. I really should give you access so you can actually see how many listeners we really do have. And most of them aren't even in the UK. We have American listeners. Lots of them, in fact. So hello, Americans. Bonjour. <laughs> anyway, James, beverage of choice today. What have we got? Coffee. All oh, right, yeah, so I am on coffee today as well. So no biscuits, James? No, no, no biscuits. biscuits. No. We're really not doing this whole British thing well, are we? No, we're failing at being British, really, are we? <laughs> let's fail some more at being British, and let's become some buccaneers. Mm. I think that's that's where we go now. Are you ready to go pirating, James? Let's go pirating. Awesome, let's do it. Bluffaneer is a bluffing push-your-luck dice and card game released by Big G Games in 2021. The game is designed to be played by three to six players, aged 10 and up, and it takes about 15 minutes to play a game. The game sets friends and families alike against each other as players try to pilfer pirate treasure and bluff their way to the largest stack of gold. Players begin the turn by rolling a bone-shaped dice which will reveal symbols, and it is then the other players who either ask to see the booty or remain silent. If a player or players request the luscious booty, do you call their bluff 
or bow and cower to their demands. First player to lose all his gold triggers the end of the game, and the player with the most gold wins. So that's a rough explanation of what the purpose of the game is. James, would you like to tell us the components that come in the box? Yes, Jason. Right, the components contained within the box are two bone dice, 18 cards, uh, one treasure map, and 50 gold coins. Okay, okay, so we're doing another small box game. This is what mm. I like to see. I like small box games. And this one is, yeah, it's it's pretty good. This is a pretty good game. But let's talk about the components first, James. What's, what's your opinions on the uh, component quality of Bluffoneer? It's nothing special. You know, just throw that out there. I mean, the dice were reasonable, I suppose. It feels like fairly cheap plastic mm -hmm. uh, with some stickers on it. Yep. Um, the cards are standard card stock. Uh, yeah, the treasure map was punch board. Um, yeah, I would probably echo most of the things you've said about the component quality, to be honest. The dice are functional. Yeah, everything in the game is functional. Mm. I wouldn't say anything was bad quality. No. The, the dice themselves... They were very lightweight, I will say that. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, very lightweight plastic. And like you said, stickers on there. Eventually, stickers lose their stickiness and they will eventually come off. But mm. I think they'll they'll see through enough uh, to warrant the purchase of the game. The cardstock, again, like you said, very standard. Nothing bad to say about it, but also nothing to really shout home about. Yep. And, yeah, punch board, standard punch board, probably three mil. Three mil, four mil thick for the token, yeah, the the, the coins, mm. and also the the treasure map itself. That's all the components that we really need to talk about. Let's move on to gameplay. How do you think the game played, James? I think this uh, is this your first bluffing type game that you've played. No, no, because this leads me on to what I, I mean. It's a variation of pirate dice. We've all played pirate dice. Oh yes. So it's just taking pirate dice changing it up a little bit but it's essentially the same game um it was nice to have like the the little additions in there like if you roll two of the same symbols on the on the treasure map you then refer to that which was you know you yeah, could, so, so some I of think, it was bonuses some of it was negative stuff I was it th i think there were three positives and one negative if i remember correctly i think it was yeah without having it in front of us which which we don't today which is very uh unlike us yeah yeah, like one of them was if if you rolled two of this particular symbol, I think it was the two uh, pirate flags. Yeah, you, uh, you, you had to give your gold to all other players, whereas the other ones were variations of X amount of players give you gold. Yeah, I think, or I think it was everyone gives you one, two, or three, yes. and then if you roll yeah. the double pirate flag, you have to give everyone else two, one, one or two, something like yeah, that. Something yeah, something like that. Basically, yeah. you get pirated. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so that was a really nice sort of addition into this game. And yeah, it's a nice, simple aesthetic to the game. It's a simple gameplay mechanic of throw a couple of bone-shaped dice. Everyone looks at the symbols at the same time. And then other players decide whether they want to uh, push their luck at trying to steal your gold. Commandeer. Commandeer. We are going to commandeer oh, this yes. gold. Commandeer. It's a nautical term. <laughs> it's so simple. I, I, it's so simple that it's it's a struggle to really talk about the gameplay, but I also want to talk about it because it was fun. It was a really good, fun game. Yeah, it was. I mean, I, I like games like like this where, where you are essentially lying. 
Yes. And the, the irony, because obviously we played this in our local game shop at, uh, at our game night and caught a lot of people off guard when we first started playing and all of a sudden started shouting, I want to see the booty. Yes. Or variations of pirate slang. Yes. Which we, we shall not repeat. Yes. <laughs> not, not on a family friendly show. <laughs> Well, any other comments that you have about the gameplay itself that you would that you really enjoyed, or particular bits you didn't enjoy? I liked the fact that you you got dealt the cards, and that was basically the symbols. People had to work out whether you had them or not, uh, yes. rather than like the standard pirate dice, where you're just trying to guess what the value of the dice mm-hmm. underneath underneath the cups. Yeah, yeah. So I think for a bit of context, uh, everyone has a card with two symbols on it. And they that stays with you until you have to reveal said card, i.e. someone has called your bluff and you were either proving them wrong hmm. or proving them right, at which point you're then dealt another another card and, and you continue to play. But that that was nice and simple because, again, there was only four different symbols on each of the dice. Yeah, uh, pirate flag, treasure chest pirate ship and i can't remember what the fourth one was might have been a map or something yeah like that. something like yeah. that so yeah really really easy i think mm. to be honest i mean the game is rated for 10 and up i, I genuinely think you could probably go lower maybe drop it to eight yeah. I, I, an eight-year-old could probably grasp it pretty quickly don't know about going any lower than that yeah i i mean with a bluffing game it's it's one of those things do do you really want to encourage kids to lie Mm. You know, I know a lot of people would be a little bit unsure about doing that, but I, to be honest, I find with games like this, it's just harmless fun. Yeah, just make it known that that that's the premise of the game and that it's okay mm. during the game, but outside of the game, lying is bad. Children, mm. very very bad indeed. It's, lying is bad unless you're playing for money. <laughs> In which case, it's good. <laughs> Welcome to 21st century living. Lying is bad unless you're doing it to gain money, in which case, all good. Exactly. <laughs> so that is the gameplay. There is not too much more to say on it. There isn't really any variations on that kind of play. It is a nice, quick game. I would say that the 15-minute time limit or 15-minute stated average approximate playtime is probably about right. We managed to get quite a few games oh in yeah we got quite a few games i mean it depends how much you want to argue over who's lying and who's not oh yes this is very <laughs> true but yeah let, let's have some final thoughts because I, I do have some final thoughts for this so i'll, I'll let you go first and uh see what uh, who you'd recommend this game for and uh, what you liked and disliked uh okay so this game it, I, i've personally found it fun i i really enjoyed playing the game uh i would recommend it for anything from families uh friends it, it would make a good party game i think it's a, it's a general all-rounder okay yeah fair enough okay so uh some final thoughts from me um the games like this are always good fun i like bluffing games i know we haven't reviewed it yet but skulls is is a really good game i really enjoy that one but this one just brought something new to the table i know you say it's it is a variation of pirate dice which we have all played but this one is it's pretty, it, well, it's 2021, so it's a nice modern mm. remake of that premise. Um, I will say at this point, it is a pain in the rear end to get this in the United Kingdom. Mm. The The copy that we played is a good friend of ours, uh, brought it down to the club, and from 
the MTVB podcast, brought that down for us to play, and we really enjoyed it, but he actually had to import this from the United States. So the real question is, is this going to be a game that's going to be easy for us to get here in the UK? Because mm. if it is, I could tell you now, spoiler free, I will buy it for my library. It is a very good game. Nice and quick. I would recommend it for families. I'd recommend it for people that go to a game club. However, this is not a game I recommend playing too much of. I could see it would tire mm. on me very, very quickly. But yeah, a nice sort of cool down game for the end of the evening, which is how we played it. It was perfect in that position. So maximum of about an hour's play mm. once a month or something like that would be where I would put it for me. But yeah, other than that, should we go to the Meeple rating, James? Indeed. What is your Meeple rating for this and what gave it its positives and what gave it its negative points? Uh, I'm going to give Bluffineer a six and a half. Okay. Okay. Uh, it's it's a fun game, but it's very simple. So there's, you know, we're already at the meeple rating. It tells you how simple it is. You know, the length of this episode. So while I like my games normally a little bit more complex, there's nothing inherently wrong with the game, but it's just a very simple, like you said, cool down game. Well, I think it's deserving of a solid six and a half. Nice. I think I think that's a fair explanation there, James. So yeah. Uh, for me, this is a great, fun game. I do enjoy bluffing games, as I said. The theme is pretty good. While I don't think it's integral to the game, it does work. So, yeah, theme is good. The game time is very good. I like really quick games. If I only wanted to get one round of this in, 15 minutes as an absolute maximum with setup and teaching, that is spot on. That's great for me to take along to things like conventions uh, and any kind of demos that we do for our clubs. Really good game to show off. But as I said, it is a wind down game for me. You mentioned it. It is quite a simple game that doesn't come at a detriment to the game. But obviously, it's not going to be the main event of the evening where I like to have my time spent with more intensive games, mm. shall we say, heavyweight games. Not a game I'd want to play too regularly. But that being said, as I stated just now, when this is more readily available in the UK, I will be adding it to my collection. So that being said, I find myself awarding Bluffineer a solid 7 out oh, of 10. Oh, you've gone higher than me for I once. I have. I considered having this down at 6.5, much as yourself. But then the fact that I want to add this to my collection bumped it up to seven. That's a fair. So fair. that told me that there was something about this game that I really did enjoy enough that I want to own it. So, yep. Ant, thank you very much for introducing us to this game. You've now made me spend yet more money. Uh, I'm sure my partner will love you forever. <laughs> <laughs> I can hear the knives being sharpened from here. <laughs> But anyway, have any of you guys out there, especially our American listeners, have any of you had experience with Bluffineer or any other type of bluffing game? Is there any other bluffing games that you would recommend that we get to the table sooner rather than later? Let us know on any of our social media pages. Links to those are found in the podcast description. You can also join us on our Discord server. Once again, links to that will be in the podcast description. Now, James, it's that time of the episode where we hand over to that man in the shed. Yeah. 
News time. News time. What what Kickstarters do we think he's going to make me spend money on this time? All of them. All of them. <laughs> <laughs> time for some news, time for some crowdfunding, and time for some local gaming events with Paul. It's like bloody Christmas has come early in the shed this week. I know two games deliveries this week. Well, yeah, first up is the game that we had a bit of a delay, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, someone forgot to fill out the pledge manager on Kickstarter, didn't they? Yeah, and who was that? Yeah, that's right, it was me. I know, accidents happen. Anyway, Kabuto Sumo is here! Well, for some reason, every time I say Sumo, I have to say it as a Japanese Sumo wrestler. I don't know. But then the other game arrived, didn't it? And if I said to you, Broadsword, you would know what I meant, wouldn't you? No? What are you on about? It's a new Hero Quest set. It's here. What do you mean you've never heard of it? That's sacrilege. Right, go and get your tablet. Yeah, now search on YouTube. Yeah, we'll search why HeroQuest is so great. Yep, that's the one with the bearded bloke. Yeah, he's the bard from Bardic Broadcasts. Yeah, so you sit right there and watch that while I read the news out, okay? Not heard of HeroQuest. The big news going around the past couple of weeks is that Simon or Come On, and what they are planning for their 50th Kickstarter project. The first tease people had of the campaign was a miniature of Silver Surfer being sent out to reviewers, which of course suggested Galactus would also be involved at some point. That said, no one expected that those reviewers were going to be sent a massive Galactus miniature. Well, we can't really call it a miniature. It's bloody two foot tall and 17 inches wide. And that's not even mentioning that Galactus was being portrayed as a zombie. Amongst the packaging was also a small flyer naming Galactus and the Zombie Side logo. So it looks like Simon are teaming up with Spin Master Games and Marvel for their 50th Kickstarter. And it looks like they're going to go all out for it. Although the official reveal was set for last night, 22nd of November, if you're not listening at launch, the tease suggests that we are going to get a Marvel Zombies version of Simon's hit, Zombie Side. It's incredible when you see the tiny, in comparison, Silver Surfer standing next to that humongous Galactus. And we can't wait to see how Zombie Planet Killer interacts with the game, whether it is Zombie Side or something else entirely. Because Simon and Spin Master previously collaborated on Marvel United and the X-Men United games. For those unfamiliar with Zombicide franchise, the game is a cooperative affair where you and your fellow players take control of a crew of survivors in the zombie apocalypse, and you'll need to tackle a multitude of missions along your journey to ensure the crew survives and has the equipment and weapons to take down all sorts of undead, including the ultra-powerful Abominations. Abominations are incredibly deadly and are often bigger than the regular undead minions and players on the board, though they aren't typically this much bigger. If it is Marvel Zombies Zombie Side, taking on Galactus would be incredible, and we can't wait to see how the game brings the various superhero abilities 
into the game in the place of more traditional skills. As for characters, Galactus size events typically involve all the heavy hitters, which over the years have included the Fantastic Four, Thor and many, many more. We'll have to wait and see how it all shakes out. So the live YouTube stream was due for November 22nd at 8pm UK time. So head on over to the YouTubes to have a peek and I guess confirmation on what we believe. Dune is in the headlines at the moment with an epic cinematic release and whilst it originated in a fiction novel, the tabletoppers amongst us may well be most familiar with the board game Dune, a game of conquest, diplomacy and betrayal amongst a slew of others that have seen recent releases. The new expansion to Dune, a game of conquest, diplomacy and betrayal sees two new factions enter the fray to spice up the game. These include House Rices and Kaom offering new mechanics as strongholds and leader skills offer the opportunity to gain advantages over rivals. Both explore alternatives. What if you take a more aggressive approach? What if you use economic advantages for a powerful army? And many more. The two new factions add to the original six as well as the Ixians and Thelaxu of the previous expansions. As a result, you'll be able to play with 10 playable factions that bring 210 combinations to the six-player game. On the factions themselves, Gale Force 9 explained in a press release, House Rices, just like the Ixians, had a well-earned reputation for ingenuity and created important technological inventions. After being ousted from governing Arrakis, they are reduced to selling off important creations simply to raise enough funds to continue their efforts to compete, and that the combined Honet Oba Advancer Mercantiles, or Kaom, controls much of the economic affairs across the cosmos and have a keen interest in Arrakis, above and beyond spice production. Because of its control of interplanetary commerce, Kaom is the largest single source of wealth in the Imperium. Influencing Kaom is a major focus of political manoeuvring in the Imperium, both to maximize dividends and to skim profits. The leaders and bureaucrats of Kaom were dedicated to controlling vital products that enrich the great houses and Kaom itself. The game will be available in February 2022 and will be priced at £20. That's not to say some of the other games on the Dune franchise aren't seeing expansions too. Dune Imperium, a recent addition to the Mid-Sussex Meeples game library, will see the expansion The Rise of Ix introduce three new houses and several playable leaders to the deck building and worker placement game. Inspired by the Ixian technology who rule on Ix, the ninth planet of the Aculorops star system based within the series of sci-fi novels, Rise of X, as well as providing players with a collection of new houses to control and leaders to become, will include a selection of fresh Imperium, Intrigue and Conflict cards to use throughout the game. Of the six additional leaders included in the expansion, two have been revealed, those being Archduke Armand Ikaz of House Ikaz and Prince Rombo Vernius of House Vernius. Whilst Archduke Ikaz can use their coordination ability to trash cards from their deck, as long as they have the right number of agents on the right board spaces, 
and gain less expensive cards via their conscript skill, Prince Vernius has access to some powerful heavy lasgun cannons that make their dreadnoughts even more formidable. Dreadnoughts are a new mechanic that will be introduced in Rise of Ix, enabling players to utilise powerful war machines against their opponents in order to win conflicts on the game board. Not only are the Dreadnoughts indestructible, but they can also temporarily take control of various locations on Arrakis. Another fresh element found in Rise of Ix are the Ixian technology tiles, which unlike normal cards, are not shuffled into a player's deck when purchased but are instead placed in front of the player as a permanent upgrade. June Imperium combines both worker placement and deck building that sees 1-4 to four players competing with one another to acquire power, wealth and control across the planet of Arrakis. Rise of Ix is set to be released sometime this month, that being November. Magic the Gathering continues its trend of partnering with popular media properties for secret lairs with the League of Legends new animated series Arcane, which we've been thoroughly enjoying here in the shed. The four card drop features artwork and characters from the show, which is currently streaming on Netflix. Printed on cards previously introduced in larger past sets and marks the two year anniversary of the premium collectible initiative. The Arcane crossover secret lair combines two instant spells Path to Exile and Counterflux, an artifact, Thran Dymo, printed as Hexcore, and an enchantment, Ristic Study, printed as Unstable Harmonics, all adorned with alternate illustrations pulled from the show's cast and locations. An accompanying secret lair drop will contain basic lands depicting locations from the show tied to the five mana colours. Arcane itself is based on the lore of League of Legends by Riot Games, a massively popular video game. League of Legends has been expanding the world of magic, politics and mystery in recent years via non-competitive games such as the recent Ruined King, a League of Legends story, and the Hearthstone X digital trading card game Legends of Rune Terror. Its foray into the physical tabletop games, though, has been mixed. Chris Cox, president of Wizards of the Coast, said, We're thrilled to collaborate with Riot Games on two secret lair drops to celebrate the launch of the League of Legends animated series Arcane. Bringing fan favourite brands to the Magic multiverse is an exciting way for us to bring Magic to life in bold new ways for lifelong fans and first-time players. Secret Lairs has been Magic the Gathering's method of selling time-limited collectible cards to its community without interrupting the regular schedule of publicly available sets. The line began in 2019 with artwork from established Magic the Gathering illustrators or guest artists applying their distinct styles on thematically linked cards. The Godzilla Lands drop was the first to feature a non-Magic the Gathering character, but it was the Walking Dead secret lair that established the mould for good and for ill. Since then, Wizards of the Coast has officially outlined how secret lair drops will function, being a primary component of its universe beyond initiative of tying huge pop culture media to non-core offerings, and attempting to assuage worry among the player base that mechanically unique cards will not be locked behind the premium price points of secret lairs. Non-trading card franchises such as Fortnite, Street Fighter and My Little Pony have been released or announced already as secret lairs, 
while Warhammer 40,000 and the Lord of the Rings will comprise a flight of Commander pre-constructed decks and a fully fledged set respectively. Seeing Magic the Gathering and Riot Games collaborate is a bit strange given their digital apps, Magic Arena and Legends of Rune Terror. Ostensibly complete for the same players, but League of Legends strong characterization and high fantasy setting make it a thematic fit. Both Magic the Gathering Secret Lair X Arcane collections will be available to purchase from November 29th through to December 23rd in both foil and non-foil versions. And as with past drops, the public can buy them separately or as a bundle. More information and images can be seen on the official Magic the Gathering Secret Lair website, which is currently teasing something new and very, very sinister. And we're heading on over to crowdfunding now, and the first one is up is on a game found, and it's the Elder Scrolls V Skyrim, the adventure game by Modifius Entertainment. It's for one to four players, it's for 90 to 120 minutes, it's for 14 years and over, and it ends on Sunday the 5th of December. The Elder Scrolls V Skyrim, the adventure game, is a one to four player, co-op game of adventure and exploration across Skyrim. Players take the roles of heroes involved in epic quests, working together to defeat their enemies and exploring the vast expanse of Skyrim. You'll be able to choose character miniatures like the Khajiit, Nord or High Elf, plan your strategy with weapons or spells and fight your way through forgotten mines, dragger infested tombs or ancient Dwemer cities to find ancient treasures and increase your power. The players must keep an eye out as the threat increases across Skyrim as dragons, Daedra trolls and more roam the lands and wreak havoc across the holds. Players need to work together to keep the lands free whilst balancing the demands of their most important quests. The base game is divided into two campaigns of three chapters each. The decisions the players make from their first turn have a distinct effect on the unfolding story and encounters, making the whole campaign experience different every time you play. You can even save your progress after each game and start the next chapter with the same character, equipment and skills. With the numerous choices of characters, gear, magic and skills, Matched with the many decisions each player makes through their quests, there are literally hundreds of hours of gameplay, with some stories not even based on your early decisions. The face of Skyrim can change during the game, impacting the course of the player's experience in subsequent chapters. At any time, the players can simply reset, choose another character and playstyle, make different choices, and experience things differently. Alternatively, pick a chapter that sounds fun and just drop in and play. Uh, the base game tier starts at £68 and includes all legendary unlocks or stretch goals. £140 gets you the game player tier, including two expansions and the unlocks. And finally, £220 gets you the deluxe tier, which includes the base game, expansions, upgraded miniatures, neoprene playmat, metal tokens and of course all unlocked stretch goals. But also available as an add-on for £20 but not included in any tier is a 5-8 to eight player expansion. So if you are planning to have a look, maybe that's an ideal purchase as well. 
Next up and over on Kickstarter is something a little different. It's One Up Dice by Infinite Black, and this ends on Friday, December the 10th. Who remembers doing this? Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, start. Well, just like that secret code, One Up Dice is unlocking something radical. Growing up influenced by 8-bit consoles and RPGs, they thought it would be more than gnarly than mashing the two worlds together. One Up Dice takes the retro feel of your favourite console games and merges it with vibrant, sparkly polyhedral dice. Now you can bring the attitude for those games to your roles in any tabletop game you play. The new line of dice has been designed around nine symbols, with a symbol replacing the highest value on each die. With 1UP dice, each set of polyhedral dice will have a 11 dice in total, which includes two D20s, one D12, one D10, one D8, four D6, one D4, and a percentage die. Each set comes packaged in a cartridge case with a magnetic closure that doubles as a dice rolling tray. They also have add-on sets of 10-piece power packs and a D6 expansion pack that includes 9 six-sided dice. So you can grab a choice of one of the sets for £21, two of the sets for £39, three sets for £56, before heading for the big collector sets ranging from £82 through to over £400. And all those pledges feature all manner of additional bits and pieces from slipcases, t-shirts, expansion packs, patches, stickers and playmax, but I'll leave you to go and peek at those. And lastly this week is on Kickstarter again, and it's Biome Borneo by Goat Rock Games. It's for 2-4 to four players, it will take you 60-75 to 75 minutes to complete, it's for 12 years and over, and it ends on Friday 17th of December. Biome Borneo is a fun, competitive, Euro-style board game where the object of the game is simple. Most points wins, but winning the game will take a little bit of strategy. Players use tiles to arrange native plants into unique micro-habitats that allow them to earn animals, cards, which get stacked onto food chains. The board is made up of modular 3D platforms that represent layers of the forest from lowest to highest. These platforms may be arranged to form a completely new jungle and a unique playing experience with every game. New bonuses are chosen at the start of each game, awarding extra points for specific goals that impact player strategy, i.e. the bug collector bonus may encourage players to obtain more insect cards than any other. During the game, conditions may not stay the same as fire and poacher cards shift players' cards and or tiles to each other. The goal is to inspire audiences to grow curious about places like Borneo in a dynamic experience. Players intuitively learn about native plants, rainforest layers, food chains and animal facts as they play the game. Uh, first up pledge level is £49 for the base game, or you can grab yourself a deluxe version featuring upgraded wooden components for £64, with £5 from either pledge going towards Project Borneo helping critical habitat conservation and wildlife rehabilitation over in Borneo. And with crowdfunding over, it's over to events. First up is the reminder that Abbey and Surrey Board Gaming Group have their game day in Red Hill on this Saturday, 27th of November, from 10.30 until 5.30pm. 
The address for the venue is the 7th Rygate Scout Group Hut, Timperley Gardens, Red Hill, RH12AP. Just £5 per head for the day, and we should be there. And I have to plug my own too. Mid-Sussex Meeples will be hosting Ard Game Day the following weekend on Sunday 5th of December here in Burgess Hill, Sussex, from 10am through to 6pm. And the address for that is Cypress Hall, Cypress Road, Burgess Hill, West Sussex, RH158DX. And again, just £5 for the day. Other than that, the weekly meets are still up. The comic shop in Crawley on Wednesday evenings for gaming from 4pm. Thursdays has Lewis Board Game Club at the Trinity Gaming Cafe in Lewis, running from 7.30 until 11.30pm. Thursdays also sees Worthing board gamers getting their game on at the Ardington Hotel from 7pm. And last but by no means least is Crawley Gaming Club at Tilgate Community Centre on Monday evenings from 7pm through to 11pm. But as always, keep glued to socials and websites for up-to-date information. Brian, have you finished that video yet? I know, brilliant, wasn't it? Okay, well you go get the table set up then. Oh yeah, we can play with a new app, then we can both be adventurous. Who are you going to be? Barbarian? Didn't you listen to the bard? No, 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 that's fine. I'll be the dwarf. Peasant? Nothing, nothing. First say goodbye to everyone. That's right, it's a goodbye from me too. Keep safe, meeples. Keep those dice rolling, the cards shuffling, and we'll be right here for you next week. Thank you very much for that, Paul, and thank you guys once again for joining us for another episode of the Meeple Minded Podcast. Uh, well, this time, yeah, we were bluffing our way through this one, weren't we, James? Yes. <laughs> In true spirit of a bluffing game, we decided to bluff our way through the episode. Indeed. <laughs> we're, we're good at this, I think. Yeah, we, we only decided to do this, what, five minutes before? Yeah, yeah, yeah well, you can't tell the listeners that we wing it every week, dude. <laughs> oh, not every week. Not every week. <laughs> Is he bluffing? Oh. <laughs> I mean, it's just a really short episode for us. I've not even drunk half my coffee. Uh, yeah, this is insane. Like, I, haven't, I haven't finished my coffee either. We might even be able to get a second episode in tonight. Have we, have we played any other games that were enough that we can you know, review them now? No. We're a couple off of doing a few, to be fair. We've been playing a lot of different games recently rather than focusing on one. So, But, James... How does it feel knowing that right now we're having to construct our Christmas lists? Don't even talk to me about Christmas lists. <laughs> it's like, what do you want for Christmas? I don't know. I've impulse bought everything that I actually want. <laughs> maybe, I mean, maybe that's a topical discussion. Why on earth does anyone think it's a good idea to ask a hobbyist what they want for a present? Because we all do the same thing. We all earn our money. We all spend it just as quickly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is there anything that you've particularly eyed up? I know you've asked for a couple of the expansions for Nemesis, but any other gaming or PC gaming stuff that you've been looking for? Not at the moment. Um, like you said, there's a couple of Nemesis expansions that have definitely gone on. Um, but yeah, that's really all I've thought about at the moment. What about you? No, fair enough. Yeah, I've... Um... Okay, I added a few more games to, to the list today. I, I've got a couple of Root expansions, which I don't currently own. So I've added those onto the list. 
weren't you saying a while back? No, no, no. I've got all the expansions I want for Root. I'm not going to expand this anymore. I'm happy with where it Well, that lasted five minutes, didn't it? These are small box expansions, James. They don't count. Yeah, there's a there's a few other falls. Like, as a gamer, like while I've played things like Wingspan quite a lot, I don't actually own it yet. So it's t- it's about time that I needed to get it in the collection so that should anyone want to play it, I don't then have to go and borrow someone else's copy or you know hire them from the the the, the well, shop well, while we're talking about your game collection jason there's a scythe size box that seems to be missing from your calyx that is actually also on my christmas list yes. <laughs> <laughs> along with multiple ex- expansions and to be honest there's a few things that are you know electrical equipment bits for the podcast that i've asked for as well some upgraded headphones for yourself Ooh. Uh seems as though I've got all the nice new stuff over here and you're sat there with my old tat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the hand-me-downs over here. <laughs> well, you are the noob, you know. I mean, even Paul's higher rank than you at the moment. He lives in a shed. <laughs> yeah, but he lives in a shed. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> anyway, guys, we're going to stop rambling through this end part. Thank you very much for joining us. My name has been Jason. And I've been James. You've been listening to the Meeple Minded Podcast. Join us next week for more tabletop gaming goodness and random ramblings by us here. We will see you then. Ta-ta. Goodbye.